You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! The unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosevich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is game time as the Sooners getting set to take on UTEP in the uh, season opener coming up on Saturday. We are here on a Thursday and Friday podcasting to you, uh, and we're joined by uh, Josh McQuistian, who's out on the road. Eddie Radosevich is in studio, and we bring Josh back in now. And uh, Josh, how you doing, sir? Are you surviving uh, the hurricanes? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I'm actually making my way through Houston right now. This is the first time in a week that I've gotten more than about five miles from my house. That's how uh, just just unbelievable. And you look around at different parts of the city, and it's just crazy. Some areas look like they've always looked, and then some it's just it's just kind of staggering to see the amount of water that's still standing in some places. It is. I mean, I I don't know. If you could kind of give people an idea, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing it on the news. How many uh, is it? Is, I mean, are we talking into the hundreds of thousands of people that that have had to evacuate and are in shelters right now? What what's kind of a number that's been floating around out there? Well, at one point you heard as many as three hundred thousand. Now, I everybody I've talked to says that there is a good amount of that that is starting to be able to at least return to their home, start going through their items, see what's salvageable. Some, you know, obviously can go back and live there, but there's plenty that, you know, that's going to be a long time before their houses are back to uh, a safe condition. So it's, you know, it's one of those things people kept asking me, you know, and I know you guys checked on me a lot, you know, family members, those kind of things. And there was, it was a really tough line to walk because we didn't lose power. We didn't, you know, Everything for us was just about we had to stay inside. We had to find ways to keep Laney busy, you know, those kind of things. So, I mean, there's there certainly were adjustments, but, I mean, very, very minimal. Like, it, it feels so wrong to even bring them up. But at the same time, I don't want to say that and give people this impression like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. For some people, this was just catastrophic. I mean, for a lot of people. And it's so it's so hard to kind of walk that line where I don't want to make it about Oh, this is really tough for me, but I also don't want anybody to get the impression that this was some small thing because for me it wasn't a big problem. It was all just really incredible watching it all unfold, and you know, I, Josh, I, I don't definitely not making light of the situation, but there are so many areas that you have gone to to cover games that I feel like were just hit extremely hard. I and mean, when you think about 
you know, CD Lamb being from the Richmond area, the Katy area uh, was was extremely impacted. Yeah, the it got seemed bad, like didn't it? Uh, the Cy Falls area, it seemed, or the Cypress area seemed like it was really bad. Uh, there was just so many areas that Josh, you know, you go out and then I end up cutting the video up and it's like, God, there there are so many areas in the Houston area in, in the I guess the Houston metro that were affected by this, obviously. But it was just incredible to watch from afar. It was uh, I'm glad that everybody is OK and, you know, that that we know and everything like that. So it was just incredible. Well, and I tell you what, I, I, I'll probably put up some links uh, in our podcast uh, when I put up the podcast uh, as a story. Uh, to various agents. I mean, there's all kinds of agencies out there that are working full-time. Uh, the Red Cross obviously always comes to mind uh, in situations like this. United Way, Salvation Army. I mean, I know those are three. If you if you wonder, I mean, every time I go to the store, I was it was kind of cool yesterday. I just went to, like, Dollar General, and they're like, would you want to give a dollar to uh, Red Cross for Hurricane Harvey relief? And I was like, yeah. I mean, like, I'll do that every time. So, you know, if, if somebody's doing that in a store, I know I'm willing to give five bucks uh, you know, just here, or there, and uh, certainly, you know, I think we as a site are probably going to make a donation. We might challenge you guys uh, to match that as well, uh, or you know, at least to give what you can give. So we'll definitely put up some links, and and yeah, I, I definitely want to do something site wide to kind of promote uh, contributing to relief efforts for for this just terrible, terrible situation down in Houston. It was absolutely incredible to watch over the last, I guess three days to watch J.J. Watt every time he yeah. tweets. It's like three million here. Ten, he's up to 10 million now, I And think? I, he started, he just wanted a million, right? Yeah. He made a $100,000 donation and then said he wanted to get to a million and all of a sudden it ballooned to 10 million. And it was it, pretty unbelievable just from a social media aspect. And did you see like all the NFL teams that were like given like a million dollars? Like the Lions were given a million dollars. I think incredible. the Vikings, I mean... Every, I mean, it's amazing to see the the support, especially the on the NFL. I'm sure other sports have done it, but uh, and it's kind of bizarre because you got baseball going on right now and all that stuff. And you had the there was supposed to be a, a final preseason game between the Cowboys and the and the Texans tonight, and that was going to go to hurricane relief, but then they went ahead and canceled it and yeah. told people to go home with their families. So it's been not just seeing the volunteers down there. I mean, watching the footage. Uh, I, 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 I've been kind of glued every time something comes up, like the people flying helicopters and rescuing babies and things like that, the, the pet rescues that have been going on, it, it, and seeing the lines for people that are just there to volunteer being the, some of the biggest lines in Houston. It's been, it's been amazing to see. Yeah, it really has. And, uh, you know, I, I thought just from a social media aspect, obviously not being down there or around that area, it's been pretty cool to see how many celebrities, you know, even just like the the BS Instagram quote unquote celebrities have started to raise, you know, funds or tried to reach out and, and get to people that are in need of help. I know that, uh, Shea Serrano from the ringer was retweeting everybody that needed help or a boat to get out of stuff. So it was, you never want, I guess cool. Isn't the right word, but I guess heartwarming would, people would are be cool. a better. People yeah, are cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, so Instead of jacking around, we've donated our jacking around time to serious issues and the uh, hurricane relief that's going on. So uh, let's get into game week, OU versus UTEP. Uh, all the media is over with. Had a chance to talk to Lincoln Riley last night uh, for a little bit just with some of the other beat writers. We kind of have a, a special session that we get to have with the head coach, and Lincoln's continue that tradition. Uh, but really, guys, I think Monday, his press conference and some of the things – uh, that he went ahead and shared 
about you know depth charts and quarterbacks and backup quarterbacks and kickers, special teams. Uh, I I would say you know it wasn't Monday when it came out, uh, but you know to have the depth chart come out. What was it Wednesday? Was mm-hmm. it yesterday? Yep. And to have C.D. Lamb number one at receiver, I think that was probably the the most. I don't know, Josh. For you, was that the most shocking or most surprising or uh, biggest news item that you saw with that release? It was to me, and I think what was interesting was, you know, you were talking about you guys having a chance to sit down with him yesterday, the beat guys and that kind of thing. And I thought it was very interesting how he he almost tried to pull it in a little bit, you know. Yeah. Well, he's going to be the guy out there for the first snap and that kind of thing, and. So you can tell they're really being careful of walking that line with Sedarian, but it, it's guys, it's what we've talked about. I mean, I, I've said it a bunch of times. I think he's the most gifted receiver in the Bob Stoops era as far as somebody they signed, somebody they brought in. And, I mean, you know, you're talking about first-round draft picks in that group, you know, Bolitnikoff winners. I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's, a, it's a mouthful to say, but that's a guy that, you know, if he could understand the mental side of it, there was no way they could keep him off the field. Well, in here, let me play some of Lincoln. Here he is talking about uh, players that they're going to redshirt, and uh, we can talk about some of the guys he leaves off. Charleston Rambo's a guy that's still in. People were asking me today, like, well, he's redshirting. He's like, you know, he's one of those guys in limbo. I mean, Lincoln told us yesterday, I think he was asked directly, how many people, how many receivers could you see yourself playing? He said, Oh, I can see us playing 10. I, well, I, I can see us playing 12, actually. I ran back and made sure that I heard that right when he said that, Kerry. I, 10 to 12 guys is, I mean, it makes sense, though, with what, you know, if you look back to the his, the stats that came out of East Carolina, they had plenty of guys, or no-name guys, that caught a lot of passes. But here's Lincoln Riley talking about kind of his red-shirting policy. Some of the guys that we are planning on red-shirting uh, that could change, but but the guys that we are planning on red-shirting, Adrian Ely, Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, uh, those uh, on the offensive line, not a surprise with all the returners that we have coming back. And then Creed, Creed Humphrey's a guy we're still uh, still debating uh, and, and have yet to make that decision. Uh, Kennedy Brooks um, and Levi Draper both have had uh, season-ending shoulder surgery, um, so those guys will be out this year and should should both be ready to go for spring ball. And then uh, on, on defense as well, Jakari Daly, uh, Zach McKinney, and Troy James, all three of those guys, we feel like at this point are, are headed towards a red shirt year. They've all shown good promise, and we're excited about them. Uh, but that is that is the plan going forward. Uh, the other true freshmen, if I didn't name their names, obviously we're, we're you know considering playing them or feel certain that we're going to play. There's a few that we know uh, right off the top. C.D. Lamb will play. Uh, Robert Barnes, Trey Norwood, uh, Trey Sermon. Uh, so a couple of guys there that we we feel pretty certain will play. Uh, Tyrese Lott will play. So, yeah, I mean, Tyrese Lott, I think, may be the other. Because, you know, at one point we were talking to Ruffin McNeil and Mike Stoops, and, and I think it was Mike Stoops that said he didn't think any of his freshman uh, linemen would play this year early in camp. And obviously uh, I asked him the other day what was so special about it. He just raved about uh, the way he moves, uh, you know, the, the, the his size and, and the way he, and guys, he's backing up uh, Ga- Neville Gallimore. I mean, he's a back. The true freshman backups on this on this d- too deep is almost astonishing. I think there were seven uh, true freshmen and ten guys from the 2017 class that were included on the two deep yesterday. 
uh, I guess that's a, a tip of the cap to uh, to recruiting. And, you know, I, it was interesting, too, Carrie, just listening to uh, Lincoln Riley talk about uh, on Wednesday night, just talk about, you know, kind of their dis, their recruiting pitch to guys in, in that, you know, it, it's more of a what have you done for me lately type of thing. And I, I think that that's kind of it, it, it goes a long way on both ends, especially on the recruiting side and then even more so on the team side to show that they are actually doing that. Well, but, you know, he, he, he did say that, but he also kind of went out of his way to talk about how, uh, you know, guys that have been there and done it, that means something to them right. too. But, right. I mean, you have to look at it. A.D. Miller, what's he really done? Jordan Smallwood, what's he really done? I mean, none of those guys. Are, it's just like I thought it was kind of, and I wrote about this in my depth chart analysis, I think it's a disappointment that Michael Jones was not able to separate himself from the walk-on. Uh, and you had Miles uh, Tease listed as or. It wasn't like Michael Jones was listed as the one and Tease was the two. It was an or situation. And when you have a, you lose a guy like Nick Basquin, uh, uh, Michael Jones got a ton of reps in camp. He should have been able to separate himself, and he hasn't done it yet. Uh, it, that, to me, is a little bit concerning. Uh, I don't know how you felt about that, Josh. I agree completely, Kerry. That's one of those ones that I thought, man, we talked about it. When the Basquin news came down, there was a conversation we had in the pod about, well, this is Michael Jones's chance. He needs to seize it. And we, you know, you guys met with him, I think, that following week, and he talked about, you know, I want to be an All-American. I want to do all this stuff. Well, you got to start with separating yourself from a walk-on. A, I mean, a and UCO I don't mean that as a – Yeah, I mean – A transfer from UCO. I, you got to be it, better than that. You got recruited by everybody in the SEC. Yeah. Well, and you guys, I mean, I walk-on, I, I realize the way I say that sounds so derogatory, and I don't really mean it that way. But this isn't a guy that they're talking about. Like, we were hearing about Nick Basquin for a year before he kind of stepped – like, they – you could tell OU had a belief that walk-on or not, Nick Baskin was a playmaker for them. And you saw right? it in games. You're not hearing them talk this about Miles Tease. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and Nick backed that up. Yeah, I don't mean that to say, like, that's just them believing it. No, I mean, he backed that up. But you're not hearing people talk about Miles Tease like that. It sounds like we just don't really have an option we like better right now. And here's the problem for Michael Jones. Uh, they can just remove that – you know they don't have to have that position on the field if if they're not having production out. I mean Lee That'd Morris. Lee Morris is a backup tight end now. I mean he's what six two two fifteen. I know they don't really put their hand on the ground or anything, but uh, you know to move him over behind Calcaterra and Andrews, uh, I, I I'm curious about that. I don't know what that says either. Back to what we were talking about with the true freshman. Uh, just going down. Here's your here's your backup true freshman guys that have just just played high school football last year. Robert Barnes backing up Will Johnson at free safety. Trey Norwood and Trey Brown backing up Jordan Thomas. And though we all know if Jordan Thomas went down, Jordan Parker would probably slide over there. Then you have you have Kenneth Murray starting and John Michael Terry, a, a redshirt freshman, backing him up. Uh, you've got, uh, as I mentioned, Tyrese Lott backing up Neville Gallimore. And then offensively, You've got a starter in uh, in in CD Lamb, uh, Jeff Bedette being second on the depth chart behind Jeffrey Mead. Not super surprising, uh, you know, with some of the things that we've heard that you know he's, he he probably needed to be here in the spring to be further along. But you saw where all the the red shirts were coming from. It was on the offensive line. And to be honest, if Eric Wren and Jonathan Alvarez stay healthy, maybe you can. I I don't know. I. 
is Creed Humphrey going to be a guy that's only here for four years, regardless if he red shirts or not? I mean, that to me, that's the question you have to ask. I would be surprised if they end up red shirting him. I think that they're going to get him action, especially late in, in a, even a game like on Saturday against UTEP. I think you see him getting some snaps. Well, you almost have to make that determination in game one anymore. Make the decision if Whether you're going to redshirt him. Yeah. I I would be very surprised if he if he if we walk out Saturday night and he's not on the participation chart. Have you guys heard anything about him having kind of a disappointing fall? Because that's the only thing that makes any sense to why he wouldn't play. Like maybe they feel like okay, maybe we were we were too aggressive with you know our praise in the spring or or something. Because from what you were hearing in the spring, he was going to push Rand. Well, I, I to be honest, I mean it kind of became a storyline that we stopped talking about because when we ta- when we asked somebody about or talked to Bill Biedenboe, he would always rave even in the in the fall he was raving about about Creed Humphrey I just never bought into the idea that a true freshman center was going to unseat Eric Wren I, I don't know maybe I I don't know if that's a slam on Creed Humphrey but I just I don't think that he was ever going to be a, a starter on this team well I mean this is a, this, this is a ridiculous conversation we're having right now I just have to point this out we're we're trying to nitpick at the offensive line, right? Like like come up with talking points about the that's the one position that we shouldn't even have to even well, discuss. I, I mean, the, it's ridiculous news, how the, deep they are. The biggest news on the offensive line was Cody Ford not starting. I think, yeah. Which we knew that was a possibility, but just shows you how good Ben Powers is. Ben Powers is really good. Well, I thought it was interesting that they also were pretty. I mean, you guys obviously were there, so you know about it better than I do, but. During his press conference, Lincoln even talked about we're going to have to find some ways to rotate guys and do some things differently, you know, even more. And you've got to think he's talking about Cody Ford. Like, we're going to find ways to get him on the field because he's just such a talented guy. Right. Okay, well, so the red shirts come out at Lincoln's press conference. His first press conference, by the way, as a head coach. Game week press conference as a head coach. Uh, and then I, I don't know what I was thinking, but for some reason – Backup quarterback was not even on my radar going into that first. Like I just didn't care. You got Baker Mayfield. You figure they're going to use Kyle, and that's probably it because I know they're probably going to find ways to use Kyler Murray, uh, regardless if he's the backup quarterback or not. He's a weapon. I mean, you're going to find a way to use him. But it was just kind of a casual press conference, and then Lincoln Riley blurted this out, and I was like, oh, my God, that's actually big news. Uh, other thing I want to announce is Kyler Murray will be the backup quarterback. Um, Made that decision a few days ago, and, and uh, the thing that probably weighed most heavily into that decision is the opportunity to redshirt uh, Austin Kendall. Um, uh, felt like all along going into this competition and, and the conversation that I had with both those guys going into it is if there was not just a clear separation that we would probably lean towards doing that. And then I was just like, oh my God, they're redshirting Austin Kendall? Like, I ne- that, that was another thought that never really entered my mind. Is like, you almost forget that he had never had a redshirt. He was the backup quarterback last year as a true freshman. I don't know if I was just blown away. I mean, I, I remember there's been some a little bit of talk on the board about, you know, throwing that idea out there. I don't know if I ever bought into it, but I, I think it makes sense. I mean, I, oh, I, it makes total sense. It's I, a great move, I think. I definitely think, though, if, you know, if something were to happen to Baker Mayfield, Austin Kendall is your backup quarterback. Look, here's Josh, this is how I look at it. Is it a risk telling a kid that you're going to sit for a year and you have no chance of touching the field? And he might get disgruntled and leave, yes. But he's going to be more disgruntled 
if he does if he loses another year of eligibility and he comes back next fall and doesn't win the starting quarter, that's when you lose him. There's no question. I mean, you you talk about the way they were going into next year, almost inevitably, if Austin Kendall didn't win that job, he was going to transfer. Kyler Murray, maybe. I mean, does he go through a second transfer? That seems unlikely. But maybe he just quits and focuses on baseball. I, mean, I like, think that's you know, the that, likelihood, yeah. I think that would be the yeah, most that, likely thing. That That's another thing to consider. But with this, you get that separation where, so if Kyler wins that job, you can say, you know what, Austin, maybe, he, you know, you can, who knows, you may pitch him on, well, he may leave, you know, he may go pro in baseball. I mean, that. so you may still be a two-year starter or whatever. So there are ways to do it. But obviously, if they're both or if they're both uh, juniors going into next year, whoever loses that job, you've got to think something's going to give. Yeah, and it's, it's look, it's quarterback. It's a delicate situation. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you get – parents involved you get a dad that gets things into a kid's head or friends or former coaches or players or whatever and it's really easy to sit there knowing you're not playing and just daydream of how you get yourself into a better position or you see a team lose a quarterback they didn't expect to lose so there it's it's going to be touch and go I mean you're always going to be worried about a quarterback transferring when he's not the starter you just that's just the way football is now so, I mean, that was really, I thought, one of the more interesting parts of the press conference is just that whole dynamic. Uh, and now you're heading into UTEP with a coach that's brand new. Uh, he kind of has had the questions, I guess, about, uh, you know, how difficult it's been or what. And Eddie, to me, he just I told him this yesterday when we talked, like, to us and the media, he pretty much seems like the guy he's been the last two years. You don't really notice... Uh, any panic, you know, I've said this many times, he, he's a guy that seems to be at ease when he deals with the media. Uh, he probably jokes around with us a little bit more than he ever did as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, probably. I, I would think so. He gets a little, I thought uh, Wednesday's interview session, he was very moolshoe. I, I thought the, uh, the the accent came out a little bit more than it usually it does. does. He's starting to sound more like Baker. Yeah. Have you noticed that? A little bit. I, 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 he also has this, and I, it's been talked about before, but uh, this, I don't know if it's just kind of the way that Bob talks, and he always kind of ended his sentences, kind of cut off almost, and I think uh, Lincoln does that a little bit, but you know, I've been asked uh, multiple times what the biggest difference in Lincoln Riley is in the last you know two months since he took over, and, and uh, when he was the offense coordinator, and I, it, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I don't think he's changed that much at all I, no. I think you know what you see is what you get and I think if you know if you want to go further that's why he's such a good recruiter is because what you see is what you get here's what it seems like to me it seems like he's operated as he always has an offensive coordinator yet he'll have things that he has to deal with now like uh, players that he has from Houston and if their families are having trouble and uh, you know they have a fund that they're able to give money to the players to help out with emergencies and things like that. So, like, I'm sure he had to deal a little bit with that stuff or just getting reports on that stuff. Or how's this guy doing? Probably bring those players into his his office. Like, Matt Romar is, uh, uh, I mean, his area got hit. Like, he, his area, like, was one of the later ones, right, to get hit? He's from... Uh, uh, Port Arthur. He's from Port, Port Arthur. Arthur. Port Arthur, yeah. Or was yeah, it? and they... they 
of all the pictures I saw on the inter- internet, the one of Beaumont, uh, the I-10, where there's literally white caps on the water going across the highway, that's, I mean, that's in the general area of where Matt's from. So, I mean, that they got just bombarded with water. Uh, and, yeah, and I think that's one of the tricky parts is because they're so far out there, people kind of, um, you know, everybody's so focused on Houston, they've forgotten how much devastation there is east of Houston. Yeah. Well, and, and here's one thing also, I, I skipped this, but a personnel matter from the press conference that uh, – uh, we thought what happened, uh, but it did, but Lincoln confirmed it uh, during his press conference. The other thing that we would announce is uh, Austin Seibert will start at all three uh, of the uh, all three of the kicking positions. He'll kick off, kick field goals, and will punt. Um, we'll see how that goes throughout the year. We've got some, some intriguing options behind him, but nobody's ready to take that job from him right now, and, and uh, we're going to make somebody come take it, like we said earlier. Don't, don't feel the need to just take one thing off of of him just because uh, we feel like somebody's got to go take that job from him uh, and to that point and right now that has not happened I, I don't know what I want more to happen Tim Kish to sign a five-star linebacker or Austin Siebert to win the Lou Groza so all the haters can just go die I don't think he's gonna win the Lou Groza <laughs> damn it all right uh what about the Ray guy probably well, he was a, he was a semi-finalist last year for that for the Ray guy? Yeah. I know he was on the Ray guy watch list. It, jo- it just goes to show you that uh, Reeves failed the Buns Chow test. Well, Whatever you, the Buns Chow test is, you, you, you couldn't pass it. You talked to Jay Bulwer a little bit just about you know the directional yeah. punting and they, they want to stick with Cyber because he knows what he's doing. They don't want to yeah, by the way. They don't, uh, they don't want to get into a situation where they call a punt to the left side of the field and you got a young kid that's not experienced. Maybe he rushes his kick and then he kicks it right. Yeah, and then there's no coverage. I mean, that's and my my point. I think I said this on the podcast last week. So stop being a directional kicking team. If it means that you can kick field goals versus you can't kick field goals. By the way, and I did see this on the depth chart today. I actually uh, texted Mike Halk uh, at OU, the sports information director. There is a backup kicker, place kicker listed. It's Kyle Powell. A transfer or from foul, foul. A uh, He's a transfer from LSU. He was on the team last year. I think year. it's foe. It's it's Kyle Foe. I have to go back and look. P F A U. It's just like F O W. How you say it? Kyle Foe. Kyle Foe. P F A U. Yeah. And uh, redshirt junior. He's a five ten one ninety. It's kind of a skinny guy. So you do have an option. I don't know how good he is. But, look, if you're missing 29-yard field goals against Ohio State again, you've got problems. I, I, I really, I, I keep saying it, but I think that Seibert is going to be okay. Like, I think there, there was a lot of mental bad juju last year in his brain. Go into a clean, you get a clean slate, he was away from Norman, maybe things will go right. He's, he's not a bad kicker. I am going to call a little bit of shenanigans on, on one depth chart thing here. I don't think Connor McGinnis is the holder. Is that because you hate Heritage Hall? No, I love Heritage Hall. Okay. I love your boys from Heritage Hall. Uh, I'm just saying I think there's someone else that could add something to special teams that might be the holder. I won't say who that is. You Hmm. can just guess. Hmm. Can he catch fly balls? I'd say he could, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Maybe he swings things sometimes. Can he hit a curveball? I don't know about that. I don't, I, <laughs> that is to be debated. <laughs> so, anyway, I'll leave it at that. But, you know, outside of that, guys, my general impressions about the depth chart were just when you look at, like, we talk about all the guys that are really good on this team. You talk about Baker Mayfield, Orlando Brown, uh, Obanai Okoronkwo, uh, uh, Caleb Kelly, Stephen Parker, J- Jordan Thomas. I mean, um, you talk about all those guys, and we get used to talking about all these really good players that OU has, but then all of a sudden you're faced with a depth chart that shows you how you are top to bottom at every position, and the one overriding uh, opinion I had after looking at this depth chart yesterday was, man, Oklahoma really, they're, they're hurting at, at depth at, at several positions, like more than I kind of thought. I don't know how you guys felt about that. Is that because there were multiple names listed as backups at multiple positions, yeah, I mean, you like think? Curtis Bolton basically is the backup at all three linebacker positions. Right. And if John Michael Terry is healthy, then he could be the backup at middle, but if he wasn't, then Curtis Bolton would be his backup too. I, I see. And not so much on the offensive line, but just the freshmen and the fact that, you know, you look at the receivers and there's not, I mean, to have a freshman, a true freshman, make his way all the way up to the top of a depth chart, I'll go back and say it again. I, I, it, it's not good. It When I saw Sidarian Lamb's name on top, I, I, the only the one thing that I initially thought about was when Jeff Bidette told us that he had caught more balls than any person in the receivers room in preseason that camp. That CD did? Yeah. I almost think that that's why I've wrote it on the board a couple times. I put zero stock into this depth chart because I think that, you know, there are some interesting points in it. But, you know, a guy like I'm, I'm trying to I'm looking at it right now and I'm looking for a name that I could. I could point out, like, I, I think that, Josh, you brought up a good point. Like, Carson Meyer as backup fullback is intriguing. That probably means that Jeremiah Hall is going to redshirt this season. I, I think that, uh, you know, Kenneth Mann is a name that nobody ever talks about, but Neville Gallimore brought him up yesterday. He said he's really excited to see her on, uh, yeah, Wednesday. Just he's- answer me this question. Other than the quarterback position with Parnell Motley and Jordan Parker, what other position do you see that has a number one? Running backs really don't count. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know that's a cop-out. But name me another position where your one and your two are almost interchangeable. You said we can't name offensive line? Guard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say guard. Well, yeah, okay, so there's a second one with yep. Cody Ford well, I mean, and Ben Powers. That, your point stands. Uh, I, I could probably – I don't know if I would feel confident about it. But I think I could make the argument at nose guard with Romar and Overton. I, I, no, you can't. No, no, not at all. No, I, I don't. I don't think that Overton. I mean, I think obviously they have we to didn't list, see him a lot. They have to list uh, Dylan Fabato just because Overton isn't that guy to where he's just that dominant as the two. What about? And I haven't heard anything that's all that great about Fabato Tau or whatever his name is. Oh, it was very suspicious that Devonta Lampkin's name was left off. What about Jack? Can can Mark Jackson? I guess we just haven't Mark seen him. Mark Jackson and Oboe? Yeah. Oboe's head and shoulders above. I'm not saying that they're close to being the same player. They're not interchangeable. That was the that was the thing. Well, then, yeah, well, they're two, interchangeable. 
to yeah. what can be good and bad. Yeah. That may mean your starter's not very I good. I mean, the oh, inside really linebackers good, might so. be interchangeable. Yeah, because Kenneth Murray's the true freshman right. and the guy behind him. So this team's going to win four or five games, you think? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. By the way, uh, I kept getting asked the question, where is Addison Gums on this thing? He's not that far behind. I mean, it's just... Don't read the depth chart. That's that's my that's my number one rule for the rest of the season. Don't read the depth chart. Well, it's the only thing that we have to go on. I mean, what did you, you guys... Oh, you, I'm sorry. No, uh, I, just, I just say one thing real quick. I mean, it almost started a riot uh, at, at the press conference from one Dean Blevins because there was not a depth chart release. Why is there no depth chart? Apparently, this is the first time in the modern era here at OU there has one. He Link, declared it was the first time in the modern era that Lincoln, no depth chart was Lincoln released. should have said, well, you have to show up more than once a month to get a depth chart. Sorry, Dean. Dean, no, that's not fair. Dean shows up to practices more than just about anybody else in TV. Mm, that could be debated. But that's uh, that, again, goes back to Josh's argument about interchangeable. <laughs> if, you, if TV people don't usually show up very often, when one shows up half the time, that's remarkable. Right. Well, you know, what I thought was interesting, guys, and you guys know, I mean, I've always been right there with Eddie. You know, depth charts don't mean anything. Half the time they're to send a message. Like, and I understand all that. But I thought Riley was really interesting, again, to go back to what you posted, uh, Carrie, from your meeting with him yesterday, where he said we wanted to put something out that really meant something and really wasn't like either he's just willfully lying about it and being deceptive or – they really put some thought into, okay, we don't want to make this just something to, you know, so we could say we put out a depth chart. I, I don't think that there's any doubt that it was more of a, you've done really well. This is a reward for what you did during the summer and preseason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I, I don't think that Lincoln is screwing with people. I, from what I gather from him, he would. He will just tell you to your face. No, I, I'm not going to talk to you about that. Instead of lie to you and try and dupe you on something, like he's just done that so many times. He's done it with me. Yeah. With Kyler Murray questions, he he did it. Um. It, there's been multiple times where he's just like, I can't talk about that. I, I'm really sorry, but I just can't discuss it. And he'll say, I I, I don't want to. Do and he's he's trying to be nice and diplomatic about it. But he'll say, look. There are some things that if I talk about it gives us a strategic disadvantage, so I, I'm not going to talk about that. So, and I believe he's earnest when he says that stuff and honest. And as media, as a media guy, I love that. I, I think that's – I get it. I mean, we're not idiots. Like, I know we'd love to have all the news, but I certainly understand the coach that doesn't want to hurt his team's chances. By the way, talking about things that are uh, difficult, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line all this out for you. But the tailgating thing, uh, it was really interesting because it came out, Eddie, was it Wednesday morning? Tuesday morning? The Tuesday morning, yeah. Tuesday morning it came out, uh, and credit to the, uh, the OU Daily, the student newspaper, they were the ones that first learned that the university was not going to allow tailgating on Lindsay Street. And I knew as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, the shit is going to hit the fan today. And so I, like... I didn't just retweet it, but I quote tweeted it, and then I because the uni, the athletics department underneath their article said this is a university matter decision or something like that, and I thought right then, oh, athletics is getting killed right now because people think that they did it because of this tailgating guys thing. What do you want? What 
say what you're going to say. It's just a war on the Greek fraternities and sororities <laughs> that David Bourne has had for a long time. Oh, it goes back to my days. It's it's complete bullshit is what it is. And I'm, I'm I, glad I, that... I, I'm going to say I'm right there with you. I'm glad that it got to be as big of a deal as it was because they, sh- they should deserve all the fire and fury that they can because it's just complete bullshit. The, st- the steps that they have taken to pretty much outlaw a what I would call a fun atmosphere. I know that there's probably people that that wouldn't agree with that, but it's, I don't, just, it's, look, it's, it's incredible. Here, you know what? I would say it's not so much about even a, an assault on uh, fraternities and sororities and fun. It is more likely that David Bourne wants everyone to be able to see his new residential colleges without people standing in front of it. Like, I think it could be that petty. I, I could see that. And, you know, I, I think that it was one of those situations that, uh, those buildings probably shouldn't even been built in the first place. There's so, there's a lot of controversy. So I think them. it kind of goes into that. I, I it was it for all the reasons that people give David Bourne grief. He just reinforced all those opinions by doing. And something. And this happens. I mean, like I said, this has been happening since I was in school. I mean, uh, there was an incident. I can't remember what house it was. It might have been the Delt House, um, but there was a flagpole that was knocked down. And it came down on a kid's head and killed him. And it was during a party. And after that, uh, all alcohol, this would have been in 94, 5, something like that. Like, all alcohol was banned from any from the Greek system outright. Like, houses could not have alcohol. And I think that still has stuck to this day, right? Well, I mean, it didn't go dry until 2000, it, the year before I got there, so 2005. Okay. So I, I, but I just remember it was they very... They brought it back at some point because they had whole parties. It was very SAE. I mean, like, just swift justice. The Greek system is embarrassing this university, and I'm going to I'm gonna lay the smack down. And that happens, like, every five years, it seems like, at OU. Yeah. Well, and it's just one of those situations, too, that it, it ruins it for everybody else because of, you know, one screw-up. And But there weren't any screw-ups. I mean, there were—I I had talked—okay, and going back to kind of—let's go back to the timeline of this all and how it all went down. So, this comes out, and I had tweeted out when I saw that OU had—or the athletics department had commented on it. I said—it was, was one of those stupid, smart-ass tweets, like— uh, when you know stuff, you know shit's about to hit the fan, but you want people to know it wasn't your fault. And I was like, then all this tailgating guy stuff started because they sent out this map, and this map had a little green area where you could tailgate right next to the stadium. And I had not, I'd to, I'd heard about this tailgating guys thing. I totally forgot about it. So I thought in my mind like, oh well, they're taking away Lindsay, but this spot's really nice. Like it's right next to the stadium. And then people started contacting me immediately, like, you can't tailgate there. You have to pay. It's that tailgate guy stuff. And so I thought, oh, that is bullshit. Like, that's totally. And so then I did, like, a double tweet or a tweet with two pics. Like, I tweeted the new map. And then I tweeted, uh, you know, the the area with a circle around it. And I said, how are you going to tell people that it's a university matter when just around the corner you have this new tailgate? I was like. It was one of those things, like, well, I knew when I sent that, I was going to hear from the administration. And immediately, I heard from the administration. And so they started talking to me. Uh, and they're all, everybody's afraid, like, in the athletics department, because they don't want to piss off Bourne. Like, I think I've been in the middle of that before. It's not fun. When the whole 
Josh, you remember, Eddie was there at Lawton, and RJ was working for us, and Bourne basically pulled our article out of his pocket and, you know, what did he do, put it like up in your face? And Something say, like this that. this is not true? He was so mad. Just dusted our shoulder I think he's off still and mad. said, who are you? Who <laughs> no, are you? No, you didn't. So, I mean, I saw it, and like, the athletics department does not want to piss off Boren. Because he is the mo- he is the all powerful. He does whatever he wants. He 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 can shut down tailgate. So everybody in the athletics department was like, "Look, this is not our doing. This is not our doing. We're trying to get to the bottom of it and find out who is responsible for this and why it was done." And so later on that day, all this stuff is going down, and and I'm told, "Okay, public affairs is going to send out a release on this." And so. I contacted them. I said, hey, I need a release. I never got any kind of release. And the thing that came out said, well, there's concerns about security in front of, you know, student housing, and we're worried about the grass. Uh, And basically saying, we try not to have alcohol parties or something in front of student housing. It's like it's a longstanding policy or whatever. It was bullshit. And the fact was, when you look at that map, there was nowhere to tailgate. It was just insane. And I, and I kept thinking to myself, like, how, how long is it going to take for Bourne to realize what he's done? That was all I thought. Sometimes I feel like decisions are made out of there that, that are not thought through. And that they think that... The, the, I think the, also the real kicker of this whole thing was the fact that they tried to go almost under the rug on everybody. Yeah, like they waited was, till Wednesday. And this was never, like, published out. Like, so, the, the, how I saw about Joe it. Joe Castiglione, when the news, when the student paper printed, Joe Castiglione had no idea that the tailgating rules had been changed. Right. They didn't even bother to tell him when it affected him more than anyone. It just, I, there was reason to have anger, and I'm glad that, you know, they obviously heard about it and uh, were able to get it. I guess kind of remedied. I don't know if it's if it's the best option that they have, but they at least have opened up some spots that people can tailgate. I thought it was fair. I mean, you you've got you're basically you don't have the prime location that you had, but you still can if you get there early enough, you can still sit there and revel in front of the stadium, you know, and see the stadium, all that stuff. Recruits can see you know, uh, uh, recruits are able to see if you are, you know, what your game day atmosphere is like still. Yeah, and I I think that was the biggest. There was a lot of people that were worried about that, about recruits coming in and not seeing the the uh, shenanigans that were happening across the street from the stadium. I, I It'll be interesting to see how the, I guess, the, the atmosphere is, I don't know, changed would be the right word, but I do think that, you know, it's going to be different for sure. Well, see, okay, so everything that I've told you about the athletic department not wanting to piss off uh, David Bourne or the university over this, like, no one would go on record and talk about this because they're just like, just let it play out. Let's see what happens. We're gathering information, but nobody wanted to go on record. And they don't, they don't want to go on record because they don't want something that Bourne's going to read and maybe get upset about it. But you know what? Lincoln Riley is a brand new coach. This is one of those things that I think he should be able to comment on. Bob Stoops might have not commented on it at all. He might have looked at me and said, 
next question. Or, you know, I'm not interested in talking about that. But I thought I'd take a shot, and I asked Lincoln Riley just about the whole tailgating thing. How much do you think about game day environments and with recruits coming in and maybe just your guys just, you know, is, is kind of fuel a little bit? I mean, were you concerned at all when you heard about the tailgating stuff and that you know, people were disappointed or, or might be upset and not come to games? That's a, that's a dangerous question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't – if I was a lot of places, I would worry about it and – uh, here I don't worry about it, um, and, and thankful that I don't. You know that, that we have the, the kind of history with our fans, and, and you know what you're going to get as far as game day and the caliber of game day you're going to get here. So, of course, I always want everything to be perfect for our fans. They, they do a great job for us, and, and uh, I know every recruit that comes in here this year is going to be blown away. So, I basically I say crisis averted. I don't think there's anything that this is going to linger or hurt Oklahoma. I think. Maybe you're going to have some people that still want to outlive this, you know, live out this conspiracy theory about, you know, the the tailgate company or whatever, the glamping company. The I honestly believe the people that's that, you know, will still bitch and complain about it are the people that sit at home and then bitch and complain about the Lloyd. They're Noble not Center even going to games. Don't go to games. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say I would put my money that most people that are sitting on Twitter online complaining about it. Aren't people that usually go to games anyway? No, yeah, and I think that you know there probably are some that were definitely affected by it, but you know it's going to be interesting. Just see how it all plays out because I think that they're they're going to have to you're going to have to change you're going to have to change your routine, but it shouldn't change your routine, if you will. Well, see, and here's the thing about it, like Josh, you've been around a lot. If you're blackout, it doesn't matter anyways where you are. Yeah, <laughs> the like tailgating has not always been a big deal at OU. It's something that's really came about because once O'Connell's got moved and demolished, like that was where kind of the hangout was. And then Campus Corner started, and that's a big deal. Everybody goes over there. Tailgating was big for some people, but let's face it, it wasn't the Grove, you know, in Oxford. It wasn't LSU. It, it wasn't even Texas A&M. I mean, OU doesn't... They have a nice tailgating scene, Stillwater has a better tailgating scene. It's just not its not something that OU's really known for. I, I think that's right. I mean, you brought up Stillwater. I've been up there for tailgates before, and it's always felt uh, a lot more organized. What I've always thought was kind of interesting about Norman was how many, with housing being so close to the stadium, there was always a lot of, like, fan groups that would have, like, they rented a house for the year. They'd owned a house that you could, you know, that they threw parties at yeah. on game days and that kind of stuff. Like, I see a lot of that at OU. But you're right, tailgating, I mean, because, frankly, even though they've taken away a lot of it, it's not like there was ever a big area to do it. There are two people I grew up with in Duncan, and their their families also own houses in Norman just to, just to hang out at. Like, they don't even rent them out. Like they they just have another house in Norman, and that's that's something that's been taken over Norman over the last five ten years. Like rich people will just buy houses on Lahoma or Chautauqua, Parsons, whatever, just to just to have a house, a second house to to use for game day weekends because they have that much money. Must be nice. I knew a lot of people that bought houses down there, but they also had their kids live there while they were in school. Yeah, but they bought it for that reason. 
Well, that's what these people from Duncan did. And you can did. you can walk to the stadium. That's one of the nice perks of having I mean, a stadium a, in the middle of campus. Yeah. But it's just, it's Oklahoma. It's just that way. It's not a... And look, like when you go to Kansas State, that's all they do. That They've been doing that since the 90s. Like, because their stadium is in a big concrete parking lot, and all those people were like Chiefs fans. So they, their game day was a lot, it was patterned after the NFL. Tailgating has is more of an emphasis at programs that historically have been shitty. That I think that's an easy way to put it. Yeah. Because people worry about more about the tailgate. I didn't see a lot of tailgating at Florida State. Florida State is just you can drink at fraternity houses, so you don't yeah. ha, you don't have a need to to quote unquote get a tent or anything like that. I'm trying to think like Tennessee. I didn't see, it's all in mountains and stuff, so I didn't see a whole lot of tailgating there. There was a lot they of tailgating waiting. in the parking garage and stuff, like people yeah. chilling outside of that. But, I mean, and, outside around the stadium, people were just waiting for that stupid-ass walk. That yeah. Sucked. It was terrible. The walk to mediocrity. <laughs> well, and you guys talked about it. Like, when you talk about the great, you know, places for tailgating, LSU, I mean, a lot, I think we have so many young listeners to our podcast, they don't understand – for a long time, LSU was nobody. I mean, like, I mean, they were okay. They they weren't special. They are they weren't what they are now. And Ole Miss, who was great in the fifties and sixties, but was largely nothing beyond that. You know, until Hugh Freeze. Uh, well, Eli Manning gave Eli Manning gave him a little bit of a resurgence with David Cutler. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but you know, like, you don't hear people talk about Alabama's tailgating. Like that's, I mean, obviously they tailgate, but that's not like, I think Eddie brings up a good point. You've, you've got to drink away your sorrows when you know you're about to go in the stadium and get your head kicked in. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I guess maybe, I I know this is not true, but you could almost kind of make up the story that tailgating was invented during the John Blake era. And it really wasn't because O'Connell's was still around. But it was that was a science, man. O'Connell's back in the day. Yeah, I remember it. Like they had just beer troughs. Yeah, that was all. Like you'd walk outside of the stadium, and it was just beer troughs. Oh, I I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I growing up, I until about the age of twelve or thirteen, I always wondered where my dad was going at halftime and why I couldn't go. <laughs> uh, all right, what something else I want to talk about. Um, that's going to happen Saturday. Lincoln Riley is going to coach his first game. But Bob Stoops is going to watch his first game. And the question was asked yesterday, Hey, Lincoln, what's uh, what's Bob going to do Saturday? Hey, have you talked to Bob this week, or do you know where he'll be Saturday? Um, I've got an idea, but I'll, I'll, I'll let him spring that on you guys. Yeah, yeah I'll talk to him. Yeah, we, 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 talk ever, we talk a decent amount. See, the way he said that, and I've heard this is a possibility that exists, I'll let him spring that on you. I think Bob Stoops might be in the press box Saturday. If, if he is, you need to let him uh, live blog a quarter on the... Uh, the instant analysis. On the instant analysis. Yeah, let Bob Stoops do it. I think Bob Stoops is going to have a media job this year. With OU? I won't say. That would be interesting. If he lives, if he live blogs, will he type certainly, <laughs> or in a good way? 
<laughs> there is one. There is. There is. I, 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 I say this with certainty. Bob Stoops does not know his home row on the uh, computer or on the keyboard. You think he doesn't know? You think he knows what QWERTY stands for? No, he is. He is a poke. He's a poking he's a, sob. Just hunting, finding, pecking, hunting and pecking with those pinkies. That could be hard. Could be hard. A he a might not be used a lot. It'll be certainly. Did you take typing? Yeah. Growing up, oh, yeah. how many words a minute can you type? Like one twenty. Oh yeah, right. I'm a really good typer. You're gonna start transcribing a lot moving forward. I I actually can tra- transcribe pretty quickly, but I have to always go back. Right. It's like something between listening and transcribing. So that's why I have this baby. It's got the skip back button on it. Yeah. Go back. What? Half a second or something? It goes like five seconds. Five seconds. So the pause and the skip back button work really well. It's an art. You learn it. It sucks. Transcribing is the bane of existence. Yes. But you have to do it so you can write stories. So. I had two freshmen, uh, incoming freshman stories that were lost to the timing of transcription this summer. So that's, uh, that, that happens, people. It's. They were. They're all. They are now transcribed, but they feel so dated. I don't think there's any point in writing them. Do you want to uh, break some OU football team news? Just got an email about. Uh, hold on. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. For the first time, the University of Oklahoma will offer a Spanish audio broadcast <laughs> of its football games for an entire season. Veteran Spanish broadcasters Enrique Vasquez and Alex Para will team up to call OU's 2017 game. Man, I should. I, I've always thought about getting into Rosetta Stone. I would learn Spanish just to do sideline reporting on the Spanish broadcast. Terry, you would I think you should grow out a mustache if you're gonna do the sideline reporting for the like for some reason I need you in a Spanish uh, I need you in a mustache to do the uh to do Spanish audio. Like with a velvet sports coat, like a I red like, crimson like, velvet sports coat. I feel like your dislike of mariachi bands would prevent you from ever uh <laughs> Being a part of the Spanish broadcast at OU, I hate mariachi bands so much. Whenever we go to San Antonio, I've 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 embarrassed myself and I don't care. It's kind of like most of my life. You treat mariachi bands like I treat mascots. Yes, exactly. That's a good that's a good comparison. But yeah, if you if I'm on the Riverwalk in San Antonio and I'm eating at one of those restaurants and they have a mariachi band and they try and stop. Just keep on moving, pal. <laughs> Get that horn out of my damn ear. Uh, okay, game day coming up Saturday. Eddie and I got to uh, sample some of the new Levy Restaurant offerings. I've got some of them right in front of me here. A lot of people were fans of the Baked Bear ice cream offerings. Which, it is kind of funny that OU has a vendor named after a stoned bear. Because it's obvious those people are smoking a lot of weed with the stuff that they're coming up with. I think uh, it was actually, it comes out of Colorado. So put two and two together. Actually, it doesn't. Baked Bear? The the company? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe they're, maybe they're headquartered out of there. But I know the franchise. I found out who the oh, franchisee really? was this week. It's somebody that I work with. Really? Yes. Uh, well, they're, they're brother-in-law. But I didn't have that... Eddie and I both loved, they have like a whipped cookie dough. It's like eating a cloud of cookie dough. It's amazing. 
It was re- the uh, Frank's Red Hot Fries were fantastic. The, the, their fries are really, really good. See, there's my stupid computer. I just now got the Spanish broadcast. Uh, look, I'm of this opinion. Just like if you're a grown man, you shouldn't be wearing a jersey to a game. If you're a grown man, you should you should not be carrying around a turkey leg. They have the Swadley's turkey leg. Let disagree. let children do that. Why do you why do you disagree? It's disgusting. I think, I, I think you oh can do no, both. I would massacre a turkey leg anytime, any place. There's zero shame. They should have a, I'm that they, guy in the midway at the fair. They should have a turkey leg room where you go in there and you eat it in shame with all the other grown men who want to eat turkey legs. <laughs> half and having to have a turkey leg room and a smoking room. Yes. <laughs> like everybody just faces the wall <laughs> and scarfs down their turkey leg. I think a turkey leg is delicious. I thought the Sooner Dog was really good, kind of jalapenos and and really good cheese, and they put like crispy fried onions on top of it, but it's massive. It's so big. Uh, I wasn't a fan of the chicken fried burger. I don't know if you tried that or not. I think I had a bite of it. Some people liked it. I thought the nacho, the Sooner nachos were just okay. I mean, there wasn't anything really special about them. I mean, they were crispy, and the cheese wasn't anything special. So I, I did, I'm not trying to deep fried Twinkie. I'm just not doing it. Now the watermelon pie is fantastic. It's like it's like eating summer. A cloud of summer. You want to hear my hot take on, Food? on the food? Sure. I don't go to football games to stand in concession lines. Uh but they have the ones facing the field now. Uh, and they have TVs. Right there, so you don't miss any action. This might go back into my tailgating philosophy, but usually I'm not, I wouldn't be sober enough to stand in a line. Is that easier to said? Yeah. Were you ever, do you remember any of the football games from when you were in college? No, I went for like a half and then went to the bar. <laughs> I literally, we and then would, you just DVR'd it and watch it later when you sobered didn't up. Didn't even watch them. I mean, they won by 50. We knew what happened. What about when Sam was playing? I don't know. I usually... Hey, good... So you just lied to Sam every time you'd see him. He was out of the game by the end of the third quarter. I was already at the pub. I bet you were blacked out when they beat Washington that one year in 08. Uh, Were you working with school then? No. No. I was... I... Yeah. We watched it somewhere, I'm sure. Somebody's house. I, think, I like that Eddie's decision lies between whether he was blackout drunk or working for the university. Yeah, there's you, you don't drink on days that you work, so. <laughs> no, I just love that that's the, there's no middle ground between those two arenas. Here's, here's one what, or the other. Josh, this is what I really wonder. Like, if Eddie did not go into journalism, I have no idea how you would keep a job anywhere else. Uh, but if you worked a regular job, Eddie... Like, what would you be doing on game days? Would you still be the guy that was getting, you know, laying in the gutter? Oh yeah. After games were over, over there on Lindsay, I probably wouldn't be laying in a gutter, but I, I would be in a gutter somewhere, <laughs> for sure. You'd probably. probably, you'd probably have like a, a group of buddies that were just like you, that were like golfing buddies, and you'd all have season tickets together. Yeah, maybe. And everyone in your, everyone in your uh, section would hate you. Uh, no, they, everybody in our section would love us and we would decide on who we hated. 
probably the people that yelled to sit down. How many games had you been kicked out of in your life? Any? I don't think I have. It's got to be hard to get kicked out of a game from the student section. Yeah. Yeah, like you have to probably be like smoking a joint or something in the stadium. See, that was the thing. Like I never sat in the student section my entire life. My best friend had 50-yard line tickets, 11th row, so we'd always sit there. I I sometimes would sit with my parents, uh, but most of the time we would sit in the student section just because, A, we had seats saved, and B, like I said earlier, we wouldn't stay very long. I wouldn't have liked you. I mean, I, I'm too serious. I was too serious at games. I didn't drink. I didn't want to be drunk during a game. Well, that's just because you couldn't concentrate as well. I didn't want to. I didn't want to watch. I didn't want to go to a watch party when you had chicks talking about stuff besides football. I would go lock myself in somebody's room and watch it. That's odd. I really don't think it is. I'm with Eddie on this one. That, that's uh, that's kind of weird. F the both of you. I'm man. as football junkie as it comes. All right, uh, football junkie Josh. Any uh, anything to look out for with this first game in recruiting? I imagine uh, just a lot of you know in-state kids, current commits, the the Redmonds and the Walkers and those guys probably stopping in. Yeah, you'll. Uh, there's two uh, two official visitors this weekend. Uh, Bray Walker, uh, Oklahoma's highest rated commitment. He'll be there for his official. Uh, he'll be there, obviously, the same weekend as Brian Asamoah, the uh, linebacker from Ohio that came to OU's barbecue. We've talked about him for the last month or so on the pod. A guy that I have I, I have every indication that this will go well for Oklahoma this weekend. I don't know if he will announce it while he's on, on campus. I don't know if he'll wait and go home. But I would be very surprised if this time next week we're not talking about him as a member of Oklahoma's class. So I, I think Oklahoma – it's very interesting to see because it was such a big deal for him to have his uh, his parents involved in this, and they wanted to see it kind of get their own feel for Norman. Well, for Bray Walker and his family, who you know, I'm sure Bray will be joined by his dad, probably his mom. They're kind of at everything, and almost every time I hear or talk to a parent, you know, that was at an OU event, they talk about being around the Walkers and talking to Mr. Walker and talking to Mrs. Walker, and I. I can't think that's coincidental. Like I can't, I've got to wonder if OU said, hey, Bray, we'd love to have you in this weekend and let his family be around the Asamoahs a little bit and maybe help sell them on the idea of, of Oklahoma. Uh, okay, so those are the only two official visitors, then Bray Walker and Brian Asamoah. Sure, sure. Uh, there'll be unofficials. Uh, probably the most notable is Trajan Bridges, um, the Rivals 100 wide receiver in 2019. He's been talking for a while about being really big on Oklahoma. A lot of people think he is a uh, decision could be imminent from him. So he's another guy I would definitely have an eye on this weekend. That shouldn't surprise anybody if that happens. But uh, so uh, Oklahoma could have a very good recruiting weekend in spite of not having a lot of uncommitted guys on campus. And then you expect most of the in-state kids to be here? Sure. You know, you're going to have the Jalen Redmonds. You're going to – well. Jalen will be interesting. I, I expect him. He plays a Friday night game in Tulsa, so we'll kind of have to see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of the local guys, the names are familiar. Maybe the one that is interesting is uh, Derek Shaw from Broken Arrow, the defensive lineman. Yeah. He's going to come in. He'll be on campus. Um, really showed well in that game against Union last Saturday that Eddie was at. Eddie can 
certainly speaks to how good he was. But he's a he's a three technique guy. I think OU is still. I expect OU to take another interior defensive lineman. I don't know that they've committed to who that guy will be yet. Um, and with Trevor Trout announcing a top six that didn't include Oklahoma, I think it's pretty clear that he and OU are moving in different directions. I, I don't. I, everybody will get up in arms about that, but I, I, I think that's more OU's choice than his. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Shaw. I don't think he's a guy that's going to pick up an offer this weekend. But they'll continue to watch him and evaluate him. And I think, really, this weekend it's more of a chance to get a feel for him because they don't really know the kid that well. He was fantastic last Saturday. And, yeah, I mean, and, and Josh Shaw was a guy that, like, his performance just on that on that broadcast kind of elevated their interest a little bit, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's – that is – I had more than one person say – Within you know forty eight hours, there was some contact of how big is this kid? What's he look like? Is he you know is he always that good? You know that kind of thing. So there were a lot a lot of people, not just OU. I heard talk that Oklahoma State has reached out to him, Kansas State's reached out to him. His his notoriety went up considerably following that game, and that's that's what you get when you can put a big performance against uh, you know a big time team like Union. Josh and Josh is going to be too humble to say it, but he was a guy that he jumped off the page when we saw him during the spring. He was a guy that you thought, uh, you know, with would have a very good opportunity to kind of showcase himself over his senior season, and he obviously started in the right way on uh, on last Saturday. Oh sure, I mean he's a guy. If he's six three, Eddie, he's got forty offers right, right now. I mean, he, he's about six foot and a half, maybe six foot one. He's undersized. There's just no two ways about that. But guys that even can carry 285, they don't move like him. Right. I mean, people don't realize his uh, he's related to Jamal Shaw, the running back that was so good at Broken Arrow that's now at Abilene Christian. So you're talking about a guy that has good genetics, good athletic genetics. So it's not coincidental that he is a very good, you know, like he can move, but he's doing it at such a big size that, I just felt like eventually people were going to take notice of him, and I think that's what's starting to happen. Let me ask you guys, uh, the Owasso win over Jinx. I mean, I watched that on television. It was domination. Uh, And it really was more than just Josh Proctor. He obviously had to play the game with the interception return uh, for a 100-yard touchdown. But, you know, before that interception, actually Jinx was kind of picking on him a little bit down the middle of the field. And then he came up with, I guess they were jawing back and forth because they had completed a couple passes on him, and that's kind of what led to him uh, you know, really charging at that ball and tipping it to himself. But, guys, tell me about what you saw you know, or heard or highlights or whatever uh, from that Owasso game. Who really started to... I mean, there's some players, i got to think, that they're, they're starting to gain a little bit of juice in the recruiting game based off that performance. Well, you know, and I guess we all should be very um, modest because we picked that game to go exactly that way last week, right? (laughs) (laughs) My apologies, uh, Rams fans. Uh, I was completely wrong. We didn't know that Jinx was terrible. I thought it would be a good game, but I I didn't see that coming. I don't know. To to your point. Yeah, go ahead. uh, Cortray Alexander is the kid that I think is – Probably the most interesting. It's Alexander, right? I always remember the core Trey part, but anyway, Trey, 
I, I, he, the defensive lineman from Owasso. I think he's a guy that I had seen him on tape and kind of liked him and then had a chance to see him in person at, uh, at OU's camp uh, this summer, their elite camp. Now, with all that happened that day, I didn't really get a chance to watch him that closely. For those that don't remember, that was the day Bob Stoops resigned. So we, we had our phones were ringing. We didn't get to watch everything as closely as we would have liked. But he definitely was a guy that you're like, wow, physically, he looks great. But I thought he had a nice aim against Jinx for what I saw. You know, the, I didn't get to watch it live. That was obviously kind of right as weather was coming down on Houston. So there were some other things going on with me. But he's a guy that I think will pick up some attention. Another guy from Owasso that I know several coaching staff that hit Oklahoma a lot are really high on is Jason Bell, their offensive lineman. Owasso's got a good track record at that position going back, you know, to Gavin Howard, um, all the, the – uh, Webb, uh, Brandon Webb that went to Oklahoma State. I mean, they, they've produced good offensive linemen. So I, I think he'll pick up a lot of notoriety. And obviously, kind of like what we just said with B.A. and Derek Shaw on an individual level, when you do that to a team like Jinx, what, what Owasso did, you are going to build notoriety for your entire team. So it wouldn't shock me if a guy like Wayne Jones, who's committed to Kansas State, if some other schools don't take a look at him as well. Uh, all right. Uh, anything else you want to throw out there, recruiting wise, Josh? Before we start wrapping this thing up. No, I, you know it's really. I think a lot of people are um, kind of well. Who's the next commitment going to be? And I think, like I said, I think Brian Asamo is definitely the way to look right now. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Adam Gorney had some news. I, it feels like more and more Raymond Scott, the rivals two fifty linebacker from California, that is a. USC commitment, he seems to be trending toward Oklahoma a little bit right now. So that that's something to definitely keep an eye on. He said OU is the one school he is certain he will take another uh, an official visit to other than USC. So I think Oklahoma, in a, it's kind of a rare situation that I think they might could flip a USC guy. I'm not sure how sold USC is on him. So I think a guy that's really a very nice fit for Oklahoma could fall into OU's lap. And aside from that, I guess just this weekend, I'm having a chance to see, um, I guess, five Oklahoma offers and two OU commitments uh, Thursday night and Friday night. Friday night, really excited. Get to see Jace McClellan and Jeffrey uh, Carter for the first time. So that I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, oh, God, we'll take a stab at it. I'm going to research it before I interview these guys, but Alito, we'll, we'll go with that for now. I, I think, think he nailed Alito, it. I think he it. nailed it. Okay, we'll see. Every time we think that, though. It's wrong. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think it has come time for uh, everybody's favorite portion of the program. Uh, Josh, you with us? I am here. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, uh, well, I got just way too loud there. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, shut up. Thank you. The uh, ratings and reviews from iTunes. We're up to 97 now. Which is unbelievable that you people would take the time out to do this. We appreciate it. And I got to say, it's kind of become a pattern where we're not getting like horrible one-star reviews for people to try to put funny stuff up. But mainly like four out of five reviews. There were a couple of troubling reviews uh, I did see this week. One from, uh, I've never known how to say this guy's name on the board. Scasting? Scasting? Josh, you know what I'm talking about, right? 
I know exactly who you're talking Skasting? about. I've always said Skasting, but it could be anything. Uh, he says, five-star review. Eddie, remember, before I read this review, that you are uh, not allowed to rip on OU fans or call them losers. Actually, rip on them. You're not allowed to call OU fans losers. Are we agreed on this? They are what they are. Uh, he didn't call anyone a loser yet. Let the record show. Uh, looks like you ran with my criticism, and I appreciate it, guys. Eddie has acted more professional since the Boomer 18 incident. He's less of a troll, and I'm sure begrudgingly acting more like an actual media member. Man, I'm glad you guys finally had a talk with him. There you go. It's never going to end, is it? I remember my time when I actually went to OU. Moving on. Uh, see you Sooners. Great podcast. I think Josh talks too much, though. Needs less recruiting talk, more Eddie and Carrie funny stories. I think what we're learning here is that maybe we shouldn't listen to anything anybody says. I, I didn't be, to begin with, so. Big Gat. I don't know if that's a play on Big Cat from Barstool Sports. I don't understand this review at all. Eddie Ratto fucks. All right, I like that. I'm going to bleep that. What is that even? That just confirms that you have sex? No, it means that I'm a cool person. You youngsters, I don't understand some of the stuff you do. That might be the nicest thing someone's ever said about me. Short and sweet was that review. Uh, by the way, the Scosting review was titled, Thank You for Involving Josh Moore. So, it's, it's funny, Josh, there's back-to-back -back reviews, one celebrating you, one hating on you. They're both, you know that they're both five I stars, so that's all I care about. We, everyone hates themselves. Everyone yeah, hates I, listening to themselves. Uh, okay, Wizots, Wizots, love not like, five stars, these guys are great. Whether the discussion is current players, recruiting, general football, or Eddie's contrarian views, a fan, Eddie, you will be thoroughly entertained and educated about OU football. Warning! Sometimes it becomes a like festival using the word like. Well, like teenage girls. But this like gets me like cracking up like even more. Listen to one podcast and you'll become addicted. Like, thank you. Uh, this one coming from Barry Switzer, apparently. Apparently they got the name first. The Gods of CFB Journalism. Eddie just perked up over there. I think he might listen to his first review. Their skills are impetuous. Their style is impregnable. I listen to these gents every day and always get my fill of recruiting news and insight into what's going on behind the scenes in OU football. I love when they go down the rabbit hole on random topics as all three of them have really important points. Wow. That being said, I wish they would censor themselves less and not tease about topics they can't cover because of their connection to the OU program. I don't know that we do that. Also, is it just me, or did everyone else think that Curtis Fitzpatrick and Kerry Murdoch were the same person? Mind blown on that one. All in all, keep up the great work, fellas. I would like to see more athletic head discussion. Good job, and keep up the great work, fellas. Eddie, do you approve of that one? Uh, Are you just, just ignoring this segment every time we do it? Kind of, yeah. 
Uh, except when someone says Eddie Ratto bleeps. Yeah, that that gets my attention. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, the the final one. This is posted by TRAV. Thanks for keeping me adequately informed. A sleep-deprived audio file and a sidekick. A Twitter bully friend of Sam Bradford with a soon-to-be diseased liver attempted attempt to lead a Sooner-centric discussion via Skype with a three-year-old and her dad. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. <laughs> That's the most perfect breakdown I've ever heard. Uh, congratulations, Trav. That is a fantastic review, or T-R-A-V. I don't know you if you're like DRM, DRMN, or whatever. DRAM, DRAM. Is it DRAM or is it DRAM? I have no idea. That's the guy that does broccoli. I don't even know what you're talking about. I have about. no idea. All right. My unhip co stars, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's going to do it for this time on the Unofficial 40. Uh, l- looking forward to UTEP. We'll be back next week after the minors. Uh, by the way, okay, I'll throw this out there, guys. Uh, how you don't have to give a score. You can if you want. How many points does OU win by Saturday? The spread I think has gone down. It went down to forty three this morning from forty five. I don't think they cover. Final score sixty six to nine. Wow, sixty six points. Yes, sixty six nine. With the with these receivers, I I could catch balls against UTEP. UTEP is terrible. I think. The preseason CBS Sports Line has them like one thirty first. Wow, Josh. Well, you know, you guys talked about Lincoln Riley and kind of his differences. Did it stick out to anybody the oboe comment about we want to shut out? Do you feel like that would have happened under Bob? That was so much more like. I mean, and it wasn't a shot at UTEP. It was just. I don't know, like, I, I feel like that was still, I'm still not used to guys saying things like that, I guess. Well, I think uh, he was saying that they always want to shut out every time they go on the field. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know, like, something about it just caught my ear funny, but that's that's another point altogether. I see something like maybe 52-17, something like that, 52-14. I, I, I think Oklahoma really, I mean, they're a lot better than UTEP. I will say... Lincoln Riley's dead on the the guard that he loves from UTEP, the Hernandez kid. He's really good. So that not that anyone's going to care except for me, but you know he he's a good player. But UTEP just does not have the pieces to even go a quarter with Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma jumps on them early, maybe scores their first two or three drives, and it's it's really over. But I, I think you're looking at like I said, 45, 40, 52, 14, something like that. They might just cover, but I would probably be on your side, Eddie. Or Carrie, I don't think they will. OU needs to have more touchdowns than UTEP has first downs. That would that would I consider yeah, that, would be that dominant, a successful yeah. game. Uh does Kyler Murray do anything but just play backup quarterback in this game? Not a chance. No special formations with Kyler Murray. I wouldn't think so. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want Ohio State preparing for something, maybe? Having to spend some extra practice time working on stuff? I mean, no. I don't think so. I bet. I would be willing to bet if he does line up somewhere other than quarterback, you see nothing like it against Ohio State. Just a complete dummy fake. Yeah. Like, hey, oh, look at this. And they may not even throw in the ball or hand in the ball or, you know, wherever he may be aligned, 
it may just be to make Ohio State look at it. Right. I don't know, though, guys. Lincoln Riley, I mean, he, he doesn't strike me as a guy that runs out of offense. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he likes putting fakes in. He likes doing trick plays. I mean, I could see him putting stuff in just to screw with Ohio State. Maybe it's a maybe it's a, a backwards pass to to Kyler Murray who's in the slot. Oh, I definitely think that there will be some type of misdirection it. type thing. Yeah, like and I don't think that they're going to just line up and and run. You know, your your straight vanilla offense because I don't think there is a vanilla offense in what Lincoln Riley does. If that makes sense. I would say if you see no Wildcat or no uh, Kyler Murray shirt, short yardage stuff, then that definitely means they're doing that next week. But if you see him like split out and all kinds of just exotic stuff, I think it's I think it's Lincoln Riley just screwing with Ohio State. Be a lot of people watching the game. I'm sure tonight, Ohio State. Thinking yeah, of them. I'm definitely gonna. Uh, I I'm I'm more along with Josh. For some reason, it's hard for me to get to 50 with this team in their first time out. I, just because I think they're going to run the ball a lot, they're not going to want to have a four-hour game, and they want to they find out what they have at running back. But, I mean, you need to throw the ball, too. But I just I see more like a, a 49-14 type game. If they can only beat Utah by 35, I'm publicly calling for the firing of the offense coordinator. <laughs> no, Wait, what? Not. I'm just kidding. All right. I don't think you were uh I don't think you had a winning horrible moment today, Eddie. It's only Thursday. We're not through the entire week yet. It's been a long week. This has been like this has been our own tri- like fall camp was it was a long one. It was long. It was long. But, like, when you get into the season, you forget just how ridiculous it is. That Monday is just insane. Mondays do suck around here. But it's the better it's, it's, it's the better of, of two options of not having anything going on. So. Yeah. The Monday after Ohio State is going to be the worst. Yeah, after traveling back. My, this Monday might kind of suck just because everybody else will be off. Yeah, I get, I get sick of people talking about three-day weekend. Labor Day. Not for us. Sorry. But next week will be a lot of fun, I, I also think. I'm looking forward to it. So there's a trade-off. All right. Uh, Josh, thanks so much, man. Uh, I'm glad that you could finally get out and about. And and remember, I am going to put up some links. Uh, we're going to make a site donation to a Hurricane Relief in Houston. want to encourage you guys to join us. Uh, I'm going to check into that a little bit. There's got to be some way to start like a campaign. Carrie's going to put something. down $1 million. We need you to match that. Never got. Won't happen. <laughs> if I had a million, well, I don't. That's we we collectively drop the ball by not winning. The you know lottery. how many pieces of equipment we have sitting around that I can't afford to fix? Cameras and such. Just need to win the lottery. I try. I know. We all did. <laughs> All right, Eddie, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Josh, thank you very much, and we'll see you guys next week. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. Go fill out those uh, those uh, reviews and ratings on iTunes, and uh, maybe we'll read yours next time. 
just try and be as funny as the Trav dude was. He was hilarious. Great, great uh, review there. So thanks a lot for listening. Good luck uh, to the Sooners Saturday. Uh, enjoy the game, folks, and we'll be back to break it all down and to preview Ohio State next week on the Unofficial 40. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.